The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Nick Galetti. I'll be your host for this behind-the-scenes interview with your regular host, Sean Rapier. Welcome, Sean, to the Latter-day Lives podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most meta, surreal, strange thing. You know, I'm blushing right now. You you are uncomfortable. I am so uncomfortable. Why are you so uncomfortable about this whole behind-the-scenes idea? We're sitting in the Latter-day Live studio, and I'm... All right, so background as to why I'm uncomfortable. You suggested (laughs) this, Nick, and I had multiple listeners who said, hey, for the 100th episode, we'd love to hear more about the show itself and behind the scenes and whatnot. And then you suggested it. You offered very generously, thank you, to come and interview me. (laughs) And I laughed. When you said it, I laughed. Nobody wants to hear that. And then multiple listeners said, someone should interview you about the show. For some reason, I surrendered, and here we are. And I'm uncomfortable. So you are uncomfortable. You're nervous. Yeah. But we're going to try our best to make you feel comfortable. And those that uh, are are wanting kind of a, a backstage look... Hopefully, this episode will fill you in and answer some of the questions that you may have. We're going to go into some of the audience questions that have been sent in, as well as just some of their favorite moments. But I think it's important because every guest that comes on has to start with their creation story, their where they started. How did Latter-day Lives start is kind of a common question that people have. Yeah, people ask that a lot. I just know so many cool people, and that was my first thought was, Having been a comic and done some acting and whatnot, I knew a lot of cool people. And I thought if we had a show that focuses on uh, the people, we we called it, and early on, this came to me before the show started, which was conversations with amazing people who happen to be members of the church. Which is a bit long. Yeah, it's a little long. Well, I didn't <laughs> say it was verbose. a bumper sticker. <laughs> I just said that was the theme but, you know, of so the show. So the name of the church. So you know, yeah, the name of the fitting. church is quite long. So anyway, um, yeah, that was the idea. And what's funny is my wife and I talked about it, but I really didn't like. I'm not a podcaster, so I didn't really know. And then I went on Word on the Main Street. Big shout out to Sean and Brian Lords, who have become dear friends of mine. They run. Word on the Main Street podcast. They've been guests, Disneyland podcast, and I love Disneyland. And I kind of just fell in love with the medium. One Saturday morning, uh, almost exactly two years ago, yeah. I woke up and much the same way, I need to go to Home Depot and pick up some things. I need to drop off this other thing. I woke up and went, oh yeah, we need to do the podcast today. I just knew. Pretty random. And so I was driving over to the Apple store to pick up a new computer for it. Like I literally got up and told my wife, hey, this is what we're doing. And so I drove over to uh, the Apple store and I called Sean Lords on the way and said, I'm starting a podcast. What do I need? (laughs) And I said, I'm on my way to the Apple store. I'm going to buy a new MacBook. Yeah. And uh, he filled me in on, hey, we use this for microphones. We do this. We use this for hosting. And I spent the next few days putting it all together. And that's how it started. I wish there was a better story behind it. There's really not. 
but you landed on Latter-day Lives. Yeah. How did that come? Gosh, that uh, long you know, thing a, we had before. That's a great question. Well, <laughs> that was never supposed to be the name. That was the theme of the show. <laughs> okay. A couple things. We started going back and forth on names. And we, you know, we played around. We we wanted people to know that it was a that it was a church focused show, but we also didn't want people to think it was going to be a doctrinal show. One of the things, for better or for worse, that I'm somewhat known for is Latter Day Night Live DVD we did many years ago. Yeah. People never remember the name Latter Day Night Live. They say Saturday Night Live, or they say Latter Day Live, or Latter Live Day, or whatever. <laughs> and so. Latter-day Lives kind of played in with Latter-day Night Live. Latter-day Lives is people's lives, and it stuck. Yeah. And it was available. <laughs> LatterdayLives.com Domain was available. And I didn't know how to do a logo. I reached out to Tracy Smith, who was a recent guest, who's a dear friend of mine. He drew up some logo designs. And when I saw the logo, and our logo on our show now is still our original logo. We haven't changed it at no all. No need to rebrand, Orange and blue. Man. He did five or six versions of it, and I saw it, and I fell in love with it. In Latter-day Lives, it's been ever since. Awesome. So how true to life is the Sean Rapier that we hear on the episodes? Can can an avid listener say, I know Sean from listening to this podcast? Uh, yeah, I hope so, Nick. I really do. I really hope. I mean, it's probably a better question for you. I mean, you <laughs> listen to the show, and we're friends. I, I think... You know, I I think that we all have different sides of ourselves. Sure. I don't think they know every part of me, but I would hope they wouldn't be surprised. Like, I would hope if someone hung out with me who only knew me from the show, that they wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, this guy puts on a totally... I don't think I'm that different. But I also... The other part of it is, other than my Latter-day Life, five minutes at the end, (laughs) I never want the show to be about me. I spend more time editing myself out of the show than anything else. Hence your uncomfortableness at this moment. Hence my total <laughs> discomfort with sitting here yeah. right now. So yeah, but I think I think how am I different? I'm a little bit more sarcastic in person. And I think that that comes out depending on the guest. When I have comedians on, we'll start riffing with each other or old friends of mine. Yeah. That can come out, whereas people I don't know as well, I don't want to overwhelm. But I'd like to think that I'm, I hope I'm the same person on the show that I am in life. I try. I'll tell you one thing that's sincere that I get asked a lot is people will say, gosh, you fawn all over your guests. Like you. You're very complimentary to your guests. Yeah. I think that is authentically me. And not I think. I, I love people. And that is how I am in real life too. If you meet me. And it's genuine. What I say about the guests, when I say that I think they're the funniest guy alive and they're the greatest person, I mean it. I I truly love my guests. I love that they come on and share their story. I love their frailties. Just all of it, that's genuinely me. I'm a, I'm a guy who just really loves people. It is a little known fact about how much time people actually spend putting together a podcast. Yeah. Some people think it's our full-time job. Mm -hmm. It can't be because there's no money in it. (laughs) But how much time do you spend putting together the average episode from finding the guest to recording, editing, all that? 
Yeah, you know, if I were to really think about it soup to nuts, it probably takes up about eight hours a week. Okay. That would be a guess. And, you know, some weeks are different than others. I've had episodes that have had no editing that I've been able to just basically put up. I've had episodes that I've spent five, six, seven hours editing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I want to make sure, because I don't think people know that we edit. Um, sometimes we have to edit for time. I've had interviews that have gone as long as an hour and 45 minutes, two hours. And it's it's just not feasible to put all that information out. Other times there are sound issues that you have to edit out. A lot of gaps. I don't want to subject our listeners to too many um too much um. dead air. Yeah, I used to. I used to just put it out as it lay, but now I try to I try to edit it. But a lot of it too is tracking down guests. I mean, this show has a new guest every single week. Yeah. And sometimes we have three episodes stockpiled, something else that people may not know. Um you know, we'll, we'll record in batches and other times it's Sunday night. I'm recording for the next day. I've had that happen where Sunday night at nine o'clock we're recording. You're getting the freshest, the sushi grade episode <laughs> comes in the oh, next like morning, that. but it's, I would say it's probably eight hours because on top of that, we have all the social media. I don't have any kind of producer or anything, right? Everything you see for the show, the social media part of it, the interview itself, the editing, everything. I do my own editing. I All of it. It's all me. 100% yeah. of it. So probably on the low end, four hours. On the high end, eight hours. Yeah. Maybe a little more per episode. Well, one of the audience favorite segments is your Latter-day Life segment that's mm. the, at the end. Yeah. And you're you're perhaps unknowingly kind of becoming the Latter-day Andy Rooney. <laughs> but uh there was uh this was I never thought of that. This was said by an audience member, Kahala Smith. She said, I just wanted to let you know your quote unquote afterthought messages mm. at the end of each episode are so sweet, and I definitely felt the spirit with a tear or two. You're a great closer. Mm, that's so, so kind. I'm, People are so nice. I, they are. Um uh, People may not know you don't write these things out. Mm-mm. They they ever. are off the cuff, um, and I'm curious if you've ever had a Latter Day Life segment that you didn't use mm. for one reason or another, or maybe that you changed. Yeah. Uh, so uh, since we're doing behind the scenes, I don't write them out at all. I don't even write notes. I use, the first few episodes I put notes. I don't now. I don't even do notes for the interviews. Um, it's a conversation. Uh, but in my latter day life, I, while I don't do notes, I do re-record. Sometimes I've had to do 15 takes to get it right. A lot of times I get it out there and then it's seven minutes long when it should be four. <laughs> and I realize, okay, here's the best way to tell what's on my mind. And, and so I'll re-record it. I've had a couple of times that, that I, I'll record something and then it either feels too personal or not relevant or, and this sounds crazy, but sometimes it feels like I'm doing a humble brag. It's hard okay. to share. And I try to be vulnerable. There was one time in particular, um, I lost uh, a friend of mine who uh, took her own life. And that was very difficult. And I, f- I found out about it the day that I was recording. And I broke down and was very emotional. And I finished recording. And my wife, who is the better part of me, said... I think you should listen to that again and see if that's really the message you want to put out. And it was pretty sloppy 
and it was all emotion. And I realized it was almost self-serving, like soothing my own soul more than like beneficial. therapy kind of thing? Yeah, maybe something. Like I felt like I owed it to her or something. And so I did something else that week. And then the following week, I talked about losing her and how we had a bunch of us who worked together talked about going out to lunch. We never did. We never had the chance. So. So that was one that I didn't do. But a lot of times I don't come up with my Latter-day Life until I'm sitting down and editing. When I get done editing the conversation and I'm ready to put everything together, I ponder. Other times, halfway through the week, I have an experience that really stands out. And And a lot of times it's driven by the conversation too. Okay. If there's a theme in the conversation, you know, so they want to talk about kids, maybe it'll make me think of something for my kids. I I know this is kind of a funny question and... I think all podcasters get asked this because everybody thinks, wow, this is such a cool job. I wish I had your job. Yeah. What's your net income from being a podcaster? (laughs) So funny backstory. I had a listener who emailed me a list of questions one time uh, many months ago, and she, she asked a bunch of questions and she said, how much money do you make? And I don't know why I didn't think about it in the context of the podcast. I replied and said, I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable discussing my <laughs> yeah. my income. And then she replied and said, oh, I feel terrible. I meant as a podcaster. Well, as a podcaster, the only way to really make money is off of advertising. Right. I mean, there are some podcasts where they charge, they call it premium content. And, you know, or you can get donations from Patreon, places like that. A lot of podcasters do that. Nothing wrong with that. I don't. And so I make zero dollars and zero cents. Um, you actually I, lose money. Yeah, I mean it. It doesn't cost a fortune, but I mean the equipment was certainly very expensive. I mean I would say I probably got about five thousand dollars worth of equipment that we record on between the laptop, the mics. You're doing the math in your head right now. I am, but go ahead. But <laughs> I can see it. I'm watching you look <laughs> at everything I've got. Is an expensive laptop, but um, the. Yeah, it's not that expensive. I mean, it's the web hosting and then the hosting of the show. I think it's probably 60 bucks a month, something like that. But it's safe to say that you're not doing this for the money. Well, no. And if I am, I'm so bad at you're it. You're very bad at this. <laughs> because, yeah, it costs about $60 a month. We don't advertise. Um, we did once on Facebook ads, but, and we've had, I need to say, I won't say their names, but I've had, uh, four listeners who have sent me money that I didn't expect and said, I so appreciate what you do that I just wanted to support the show. And all four of those times, we did use that money purely for advertising. To that spread was, the those message were all of, Facebook the, of the ads. show. Yeah. yeah. So I took 100% of what they gave and used Facebook ads, and they were very kind. One of them had a very special experience where the show touched their lives in a way that was unexpected to me. It uh, helped a family member in a totally unexpected way. And he, he was grateful. And then a friend of mine out of the blue said, I just want to be part of the effort. And former guest, as a matter of fact, sent me some money and (laughs) people are kind, people are good. Very cool. But yeah, I've lost plenty of money on this (laughs) endeavor. So if it isn't the money, why do you do it? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know that I have a solid answer for it. I'll tell you what I get out of it. I don't know if it's why I, I'll tell you why I do it is because I feel called to it. I just felt like this was something I was supposed to do. I didn't know why. 
Um, so, but why do I, what, what do I get out of it now? Why do I keep doing it? Yeah. I think, why did I do it? I didn't know why I just felt like I should do it. Why do I keep doing it? A a couple of reasons. First of all, the guests, I have made such close friends. What we, what we do here is very intimate. And a lot of times we get deep into people's lives and especially the guests where we're sitting face to face. And they're pouring out their souls about their life's experiences. Uh, it's it's a very intimate thing. And they are friendships I have carried forward for a long time. I'll give you an example. We had Heidi Tucker on, who is such a great author. See, here I am raving about her. She's not here. I mean it. I just love her. <laughs> She's a wonderful soul. She's written a few incredible books. And my mom became a big fan of hers, read some of her books, has asked her to come speak. And then I got a text today from Heidi that said, hey, look who I bumped into at Costco. And it was a picture of Heidi with my mom. (laughs) My mom had recognized her and said, hey, I'm Sean's mom. And they took a picture, but it wasn't sent to me by my mom. Heidi sent me that picture. Yeah. Heidi had reached out to me about her books. I would have never known her otherwise. And we're, we're good friends. And I feel that way about almost every guest I've had. Yeah. It's very rewarding. The second part is the audience. I get feedback, Nick. I, man, I people come on the show and they cry. I, I could cry talking about our listeners. Our listeners are so devoted. Do you know we we launched the show at four a.m. Uh, Utah time, and I often I don't get up at four a.m. <laughs> uh, I get up usually between six and seven a.m. And to get up on Monday morning, knowing the show went live at four, we pre-program it to go live at four. And I wake up and I look just to make sure the show actually went live. Right. It worked. And to see that every Monday morning, there are several hundred people who have listened by the time I get up, you know, but people are so supportive. And the emails I get, the ones, it means a lot to me when people tell me how much they enjoy the show. But I also, the ones that are are more memorable even are when people will tell me, hey, I've struggled with my testimony, or this specifically touched me, or I shared this with a child, I shared this with a neighbor. And that's why I keep doing it. Your audience has favorite guests. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. And for sure. They, they they have had some some input since you've kind of put out this call to emails for this one hundredth episode. And so Let's take a minute to go through some of the responses that the audience has sent in about their favorite guests. You bet. Uh, We've got someone by the name of Kathy Poodle said, I have loved, loved each and every episode, receiving each as a gift. Two episodes that come immediately to mind, Dave Hunter and your remarkable mom. Thank you for blessing my latter-day life. I Mm. wish you every happiness in your journey. Those were two very popular episodes, Dave Hunter and your mom. Kathy, thank you. Uh, first of all, talking about my mom's episode, that one, I was nervous. Understandably. I was not, yeah. I needed my mom to be portrayed in a good light. I'm very close to my mom. Uh, side note, my father is an upcoming guest. I've had several requests. <laughs> when do we get to hear your dad's story? And it's a fantastic story. My mom shared things that I didn't know. So I really did get to be an interviewer like I do with a regular guest. Much of it I did know. Uh, but I walked away from that episode with a new appreciation for my mom. What I love about my mom's episode is it's a great episode. She was a great guest. I think there's an extra affinity from our our listeners and our fans 
because she's my mom. But she's a great guest anywhere. She could have been on. It was just a great episode, and she has a great story. And what I love is that, you know, I can barely talk about once she's gone, when she's passed, (laughs) once I've passed, that record will be there. I'm glad that we have that record. So, and I I love you, Mom. My mom's my biggest fan. She listens every (laughs) week. And um, as far as Dave Hunter goes, that one is shocking to me how much people love that show. And I've tried to dissect That's not a commentary. Yeah, it's not a commentary on Dave either. No, Dave's awesome. I knew they'd love him, but I have lots of awesome guests. But people love that show. And I think part of it, Dave, is his candor is amazing. He's so open about his life. And Dave is one of the greatest storytellers I've ever heard. But the other thing I got a lot of feedback on is I got sucked into a lot of his stories. You know, when he was talking about the fact that we got kicked out of the church office buildings because of me and him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't didn't plan on telling that, but, you know, he did. And so that made it fun. Dave's an amazing guy. And what I love about him is he's an unconventional, very active member of the church. I love Dave. Those are great ones. Thank you, Kathy. So next one, Ashlyn Ludlow. She said, I'm continually re-listening to Ken and Katie Craig, Mm. the Working with Lemons family, and Clint Pulver. Those three have just made such an impact on me, and I just can't get enough. Clint Pulver uh, stands out because he was the first guest I ever had that I did not know. Which was episode 12? 12, episode 12. And and I had so many notes of things I wanted to talk to him about, because I thought, I don't know how to interview someone I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and so I was very nervous and he is so dynamic and his story is incredible and he was so gracious. And again, back to that kinship, I bumped into Clint at the airport. I mean, I've met him two, three times since then. I bumped into him at the airport a couple months ago. Huge hug, stood there catching up. What else are you up to? How's the show? How's your touring? There's a bond. Um, working with Lemons, interesting little bit about working with lemons. I mean, I grew up with Ernest Bourne, as we talked about, uh, the father of the show. That's one of my favorite episodes, too. We now pray because of working with lemons. We pray before each episode. Yeah. That's a that's a little tidbit. We actually, uh, Nick and I prayed before this episode. We do before every episode. Ernest, I, I don't know why it sticks out in my mind, but Ernest talked about how they, one day, nothing was going right on set while they were shooting. The cameras weren't working and they were having problems. And suddenly someone said, hey, we didn't start today with a prayer. They prayed and everything went smoothly. And in that moment, it clicked. I will never do an episode without praying. So I don't ask my guests to pray. But even if I'm on Skype or, you know, recording online, not even sitting there on the phone, whatever, I say, do you mind if I offer a word of prayer? And we pray before, and it's been such a blessing. Puts everybody at ease, brings in the spirit. It's great. Oh, and awesome. Ken and Katie Craig. Oh, how I love Ken and Katie. Ken and Katie are hilarious. Ken is one of the smartest and best men I've ever met. And Katie is right there with him, if not better. They're just awesome people. And they're so funny. To me, they're a great example of maybe the more typical Mormons who aren't typical or typical members of the church. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> got, I got Saints. carried away. Yeah. <laughs> typical, typical members of the church, but who are, you think they're typical on the outside, but then they shared their experiences in Vegas. They are two of the most sincere people on earth. If you want a true, just who are people of character, everyone who knows them will tell you they're the best people they've ever met. And they're so funny. Both of them. Yeah. 
So great couple. Yeah. Good choices. All right. Tiffany Nelson Anderson said, with four O's, so many great episodes. Mm. But my absolute favorites are episode three with Michael B. and Mormon Guitar. His YouTube channel has been on repeat since his interview because I can't decide which album to buy. I should just bite the bullet and get both. Ha ha. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you specifically about Michael B. because that is one of the most listened to episodes of the podcast, yeah. not just because it's the oldest, but in what ways did Michael B.'s episode change the show? Yeah, it, it, that was a transformational episode. Uh, first of all, I have to say a big shout out to Tiffany. Tiffany lived with us for many years. And has been a great supporter of the show. Tiffany, I love you so much, like a daughter. Uh, <laughs> so thank you, Tiffany. Michael's episode was very interesting because uh, I invited Michael over. Michael is, and we've talked about this, on it should come up on the show many times. Michael is the funniest human being I've ever met in my life. <laughs> there's genuinely, this is, I mean, other comics. Dave Hunter said, it's not even, there's not even a second place. Michael's so funny. And so he was episode three. The first two episodes were neighbors of mine who were great. Um, and it was all very scripted. And the show, remember, the show was going to be the People magazine for the church. Yeah. It was lightweight, ha ha, funny, let's funny comedians and actors and whatever. And Michael comes on, and all of a sudden we start talking about his addiction and uh, being excommunicated and losing his family and being in the thralls of addiction and his mental health and losing everything in his life and coming back. And I was at Michael's rebaptism and we bawled when I got there. He and I have always been very close. And we finished this interview this time. We finished the interview. He left and I went upstairs and my wife said, how was it with Michael? And I said, I can't air the episode and I don't know how to tell him. And she said, why? And I explained to her what had happened. I said, our show is not this. We're not people burying their souls, crying, talking about, <laughs> we don't talk about addiction. We're fluffy. We're fun. I don't want the show to be this. It can't. And so I prayed about it. But what I was really praying about was how do I tell one of my closest friends in the world, I'm not going to air your episode after you were kind enough to come and record it. And to bury your soul like that. And to open up that much. And I finally... Uh, I finally just decided, I felt the spirit that I should just put it out there. I did. I was scared. I was nervous. Every week, he is probably the most consistently listened to Still. episode we have. Consistent. Episode three. Just consistent. As far as, it's not the highest uh, every week, of course. Uh, but I mean, he's always in toward the top of the older episodes. And I still... Get mail. I just found your show. By the way, episode three with Michael Berklin touched my soul, changed my life, whatever. I've shared it. I cried. And Michael, I will owe forever for his contribution here. Heather Genoa Regimbal. She said, so many favorites, but number one fave was David Hunter, another David Hunter mm. fan. Then Ashley Reeves and Becky Proudfit and Melissa... In a way. In a way. Yeah. Who she gave a different middle name for her. Yeah. Her name was uh, Melissa Wasing, in a way. So those were Heather's favorites. Yeah. Just a, I'll touch on just a couple things. I, I don't want to neglect Tiffany's question on Mormon music. Um, that was done over 
uh, the internet. I've never actually, we've never actually met. Oh yeah. And yet, uh, I would say if I ever saw Ben in person, it would be big hugs. We talked Ben, um, Ben Howington, who's Mormon music. He and I talked for about a half an hour before we recorded. We recorded, we talked for about 45 minutes after. <laughs> he is a kindred spirit, and I already feel like I know him, like, like I just love him like a brother. Uh, Becky Proudfit was recent and awesome. She was the princess who found the gospel, and she lit up this room. I got to meet her husband, her kids. She is the brightest, sunniest person. And I was in awe. I listened to her episode twice. I thought she was just awesome. Uh, Melissa Inouye. Uh, I shared a little bit on the episode, but maybe I'll go a little deeper yeah. now. I have never been so intimidated in my life. I feel, and in fact, uh, Mike Cannon Even more is, so than now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is a different kind of intimidated, because um, I get to edit this one. Uh, well, I guess I got to edit that one too, but um, but Mike Mike Cannell, my my best friend, he he said that he was laughing through the interview because... I told, I said at the beginning, I was so intimidated. In fact, I called you, Nick, right yeah. afterward. Nick, see, now we're <laughs> going to talk about Nick. Nick <laughs> has made his world in the, the podcasting world, interviewing authors and scholars. And Nick will go stand toe to toe with the greatest scriptorians, whatever. That is not my world. <laughs> and here, I, uh, her publisher reached out to me and said, we'd love to be on your show. And when I found out who she was, that she's a scholar and, you know, her book, uh, the story of a bald Asian yeah. whatever woman. And she says, you know, I'm an open feminist. I don't know why I was terrified and I fumbled and stumbled. And what's funny though, is halfway through it all got very comfortable. And afterward, Melissa said, Sean, that was one of the most fun interviews I've ever done. And I think we both, let our guards down. Yeah. I think she was uncomfortable having such a just, you know, we're not talking about the history of the church in China or, you know, Asian yeah. religion. And we both became very comfortable and we had just a wonderful experience. And Ashley Reeves is so great. Her husband is a really close friend of mine. He grew up on our street and he was the one who suggested it. And I, I didn't know Ashley super well. I know her husband very well, Justin, amazing. Hello, Justin. But anyway, Ashley, when she talked about how she uses social media, and since then I watch her, the lives that she touches of women just to empower them. I don't know. There are a lot of good members of the church doing a lot of good things. So yeah. she's, she is just awesome. It's great to show that flashlight on their lives a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's not like you're trying to brag about them or anything. It's mm -mm. just, hey, this is some some really great people. There are certain episodes that people ask me about a lot. Michael B. is definitely one of them. Jason Hewlett comes up a lot. His interview, um, my conversation with him, and Jason has been a supporter of the show. Yeah, really awesome. His name comes up more than any other name. I mean, it, because he is so good to so many of the entertainers, and he's probably the top entertainer in all of Utah. I mean, as far as he's just incredible. And so his name, it felt like for a while, I swear we had like 10 episodes in a row where someone was like, yeah, Jason Hewlett really helped me out. He's, <laughs> but he earned it. But there are certain episodes that really resonate with people. Yeah. All right. Well, last one on the favorite episodes. This one comes from Taylor Smith. 
He says, I've loved so many things. I love so many things about this podcast. I loved Sean Stevens' episode mm. and Yehosh Bonner's episode. Mm-hmm. I've worked at Hale Center Theater, and they are amazing people. I love Melissa Inouye. I also loved Sarah Hancock, who we haven't talked mm, about yet. Yeah. All of them are amazing. These amazing stories and, and how much faith they have is really inspiring. So that's from Taylor Smith. So Sean Stevens, uh, I had read about, and he reached out to me and shared some articles and I got to admit, that was probably the most starstruck I've been. Really? It, it wasn't. It, what's funny about Sean is, A, nicest, most down-to-earth guy you will ever meet in your life. Like, he could not have been nicer and more self-deprecating. But in the 1970s, when I say Sean was a star, I mean cover of Tiger Beat magazine. But I was born in 72, and Sean really got big in the late 70s, early 80s. And to me, it was that he kept dropping names of celebrities he hung out with that were my heroes as kids. <laughs> and then he'd talk about, oh, and then I was on this show, and I, you were on that show? Oh, my gosh, I love that show. <laughs> and so I, when I listen back to that episode, I so fanboyed out, like it's almost embarrassing. <laughs> and, and Sean's fantastic. What I remember most about Yaush uh, Bonner is that we had so little time yeah, it was a it was a shorter episode. He was crunched for time and was running late and just had a hard stop. And so he came in and we've only met three times. Uh Yahosh. What a triumphant spirit that guy is and so talented. But he ran downstairs. I mean, I grabbed him, we went into the podcast room, and it was like quick prayer and record. And I didn't know that much about him. But he was so inspiring. Somebody um, commented, because he is also, we were doing video. We stopped doing video because it was just too much to try to put out there. But but somebody recently commented on our YouTube page. She said, it's really funny to see that the host has a massive crush on Yahosh, just like the rest <laughs> of us. <laughs> and I so wanted to reply and go, I don't have a crush. Uh, maybe I do. Maybe I have a man crush <laughs> on Yahosh. And how could you not? He is he is just awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And then I guess the last one in his list there that we hadn't mentioned was Sarah Hancock. Gosh. Sarah Hancock's another one. That was one of the more shared ones that we've had. She was so incredibly inspiring. Remind us which one she So Sarah Hancock tells her epic story. And if you've not listened, please go listen to to Sarah's story. Um, She had uh, some mental struggles that she wasn't sure what was going on. And it turned out it was something in her gut. It was actually a bacteria in her gut that uh, caused her to have some episodes of psychosis and went through many years in and out of uh, abusive homes, uh, you know, group homes, and just terrible situations, very difficult, and then finally found uh, the right help and strength. I got to interview her in her home in San Diego. That was a sacred experience. And Sarah, if you're listening, gosh, I love you to death. I love you and David so much. Uh, I got to hang out with her and her husband, and I'm getting emotional just thinking about her and her life. She inspires and touches so many people. Her story just tells you that there, you know, anyone you look at, you don't know what they're going through. And and she's just powerful and and I just love her to death. Great, great episode. Great woman. Yeah. So a little bit more behind the scenes stuff. 
there's some questions that people have, and there's a question that I have. Oh, yeah, good. And that is, every show has three sayings that people have kind of become used to hearing. Yeah. Of course, there's the <laughs> hello, friends, yeah. that starts things out. Mm-hmm. And then you have the sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. Yep. And then you have your, your there's a great, big, beautiful world out there to close things out. Yep. Where did those come from? Yeah. Hello, friends. I think I did it the first episode. I'm not totally sure. But I really, I mean it. I feel like we're talking to friends. I want people to feel like it's, I really, I was worried that it would come across like an interview show. And I really use the word interview. That's why I like conversation. Um, We try to be, I try to be unscripted. Like I said, I don't write down questions in advance. I really don't do a lot of prep on purpose. Guests especially ones who have been on a lot of podcasts, will tell me, hey, here are materials you need to know about me. Here's what questions, how can I prep? And I tell them, I'm sorry, just show up. Let's <laughs> I'm not going to do that. We're just going to talk. The best compliment I have ever gotten from a listener, she said that uh, she got so wrapped up in one of the conversations, she had dropped off her kids at carpool, and that she was driving back home and got so wrapped up in the conversation that she leaned in and asked a question of her radio in her car. Really? She started to. She said, <laughs> but what? And then she caught herself and realized, I can't ask a question. That's what I wanted. And that's why we start out with Hello Friends. And it's an easy way to start out. And and I hate to admit this, but the truth is, Nick, I'm not that good at this. I don't really know what I'm doing. I hope I'm better with episode one. You may be good at it, but it might not be as intentional as people think it might be. Yeah, and so I think it's a crutch. To start off with Hello Friends, how else would I? I don't know how else to start the show now. So we start with Hello Friends. Uh, Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation uh, came because I'm an almost two million miler with Delta. and Delta Airlines. Delta Airlines, yes. I've flown almost two, uh, I'll hit two million miles this year. I spend a lot of time in airplanes and they always say, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. And there's something comforting about that with me. I try to set the tone. I hope people... Whether you're out running, listening, or you're driving around, whatever, that you're able to relax and actually enjoy it. And it's a conversation, not an interview. That's important. It's a, you know, it's a casual conversation among friends. The last part, uh, there's a great big, beautiful world out there, actually is a Disney World tie-in. There's uh, my favorite attraction at Disney World in Florida. It was at Disneyland until the 1960s. It was actually developed for the World's Fair. Um, it's called Carousel of Progress. Yeah. And you sit down in it and you go through a family. You see their life in the 1920s and the 1940s and the 60s and then the future. And the song that plays and it gets stuck in your head is there's a great big beautiful tomorrow. And so I kind of wanted a phrase to end on that was my own signature thing. And originally, I've always loved the phrase, be in the world and not of it. Because I think there are two really important parts to that. We as members of the church sometimes really lean on the don't be of it part. Yeah. But we're insular. We tend to associate only with each other. Or we have preconceived notions even as to what we are as members of the church. The other part of it is be in the world. Go be in the world. And that's that was the whole hope was that we would feature guests who are doing amazing things in the world. So I kind of combined them. Yeah. It's a great, big, beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. There it is. It's probably a crutch also. <laughs> oh, no. It's but all I good. enjoy it. I, You know what? I like saying that phrase. It always makes me smile at the end. 
Have you ever had to turn down a guest? Multiple times. Multiple times. Multiple times. Yeah. We, it's really uncomfortable sometimes when I reach out to people. I'll reach out. Sometimes people reach out to me. In fact, more, more often now people reach out to me, which is nice. Makes it a lot easier to get guests that way. Yeah. But oftentimes I'll see someone on Instagram or whatever. But we have active members of the church as guests. That's sort of table stakes. That's what people expect from this show. I'm going to tune in. I'm going to hear an active member of the church, and I'm going to hear about their life. I can't betray the audience by having something else. And so I also don't want to do a worthiness interview. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't want to say, hmm, here are 12 questions I need you to answer to see if you're worthy <laughs> to come on the show. Um, you actually gave me the advice. You and I were talking one time where I said, I don't know how to reach out to someone. And you used a phrase where you said, describe the show and then ask them if it's a fit. I don't know if you remember that, but that was your advice. I, I am glad that it worked. <laughs> it worked very well, and I use it all the time now. Um, I've had people who have reached out who have said, uh, I'm an active member of the church. I've just produced this movie. Uh, I'd love to come on and talk about it, and they'll send me a trailer. I'll watch the trailer, and it's inappropriate. Mm. I'm not going to promote stuff that's inappropriate. I've had people who have reached out and said, I was raised in the church, and while I'm not totally active now, uh, I would still, you know, I have a background. We can talk about it. I had one guest, potential guest, was not on the show, but who reached out and said, hey, I'd really like to tell my story uh, to promote this thing that I'm doing. I don't want to give them any space on it. And he said, I'm completely inactive, but I'm I'm okay if we don't talk about that. I can even pretend and you can ask me the normal questions. And no, and, and that's an easy no. And so we, when I reach out to guests, I say we are a, a faith-positive show that focuses on active members of the church who are willing to talk about their lives and the love of our faith. If it seems like a fit for you, we'd love to have you. If not, I completely understand. No hard feelings. Uh, but I've had people, multiple people who have reached out. And then we've had some other people <laughs> who uh, reach out and say, I'd love to be on the show. I had one one young lady who was so sweet. She said, my husband's amazing. I'd love to have him on the show. He'd be such a great guest for you. And I replied, wonderful. What's he known for? What does he do? Oh, he's just an all-around good guy. And I replied back and said, okay, but what would the story be like? What would we talk about? And yeah. she goes, oh, he's just generally really funny. You'd love him. Yeah, I can't really build a narrative around that. Maybe it would have worked. <laughs> But we try to have people kind of have a general narrative as to what they've done. Yeah, yeah some type of bit. some type of arc to to what that is. Yeah. So do you do you have a dream guest that you haven't had on yet, but still want to? Yeah, I have a few. I one that gets requested all the time that someday I don't know why I'd love to have Donny Osmond on. <laughs> really, that <laughs> gets that, requested all the time. How, oh gosh, all the time, people. Always, when are you going to have Donny Osmond on? I think it'd be fun to have Donny Osmond on. We'd love to have him. Um, my dream, and my audience might hate this and will probably <laughs> say who, but I have a list, and I won't share all the names from the list, but the very top of the list, my number one is Mark Madsen. And the Laker? Yes, Mark Mad Dog Madsen. <laughs> Played for the Los Angeles Lakers, has multiple titles, then became an assistant coach. I bumped into him on an airplane. I gave him my Latter-day Lives card. Really? And he immediately texted me and said, hey, we're in the middle of the playoffs, but I'd love to be on. He recently became the head coach at Utah Valley University. Oh, I didn't know that. So when I have more than a week in town, I'm going to text him again and say, hey, remember me? You now live 20 minutes from me or whatever. 
can we do the interview? Oh, I'd love that. You know, the fact that it combines the church and the Lakers for me, and that may not be as big of a deal. Not on the dream list, Danny Ainge. Because of the Celtics. Because he's a Celtic, yeah. Uh, no, I love Danny Ainge. I really do. But uh, my dream, you know, to be able to interview a, a, a title-holding Laker who played with Shaq and Kobe and all that yeah. would be amazing. I, I, have a list of, I have a list of people. Some of them are interesting. Some of them are very public. Some of them are not. It's fun as the show has grown. Um, you know, like Mitch Davis. Having Mitch Davis on was yeah. neat. I don't think a year ago we would have gotten someone like Mitch. You know, I mean, who are more of a name, and yet he was so kind. We we actually, he and I met at 11.30 at night. Yeah. Because he was in the middle of promoting The Other Side of Heaven, promoting too. Promoting it heavy. Yeah, he was really working hard at it. He's another one where I said, we have 45 minutes, and he goes, good, I can't go any later because I'm so tired. And he and I talked for an hour and 40 minutes, and afterward... One thing I love about Mitch Davis, I texted him a couple days later to show him the numbers because we had a really, really strong week. And he replied back and said, that is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Pals forever, Mitch Davis. (laughs) I just love that man. That's awesome. We've talked a little bit about family guests with your mom and having your dad on eventually. The questions that come up a lot have to do with your daughters. You get a lot of talk about that. But you also get to talk about your wife. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go to your daughters first. What was it like having your daughters on as a guest? All the important women in my life. This is the one that could make me cry on our own retrospective here. <laughs> I am so proud of my daughters. You know, I have uh, two daughters who are very bold and very social and very loud. <laughs> <laughs> and I was worried they wouldn't be able to reel it in maybe a ton. They're fun. And I mean this all in a positive way. But in an interview or a conversation, it's a little bit tricky. And then one daughter who's very shy. And the two really toned it down and, and shared amazingly beautiful things. And the one was so much more social and so much more open. And I just cried when we talked. And they cried. And again, something I get to leave behind for them. Sometimes I think that like an episode with my mom or my daughters or my dad coming up are self-indulgent. And I almost think that I, you know, I I start to think, well, maybe we'll lose some listeners like, oh, you're interviewing your family. (laughs) Um, But two things, first of all, tough. I don't get... (laughs) As previously discussed, I don't get paid to do this, so <laughs> and the show's free for you. You don't have to listen. But secondly, the feedback I got out of that episode was so touching. You know, as a father, to have tons of listeners reach out and just say how much they love my daughters and how proud they were of them. And my daughters have rough stories, all three being adopted. Um, their stories are not easy, and yet... They own it, and they are such great young women. I just love them. But I was very touched by the response. The people who wrote in and said I was crying or I was so touched or tell your daughters how amazing they are. It was really neat, Nick. That was a – I'll never forget that. Yeah. And I I have to say, with regards to your wife, I've been podcasting since 2011. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I've done over 800 podcast episodes, and yep. it wasn't until last month that I finally got my wife to appear on an episode of a podcast. Yeah, and she was great. And she she was great. But when I told her that her episode went live, she about had a panic attack. Yeah. And then I ask you offline before we started this, is your wife ever going to come on as a guest? <laughs> my wife is my number one most requested guest. I get so regularly, I mean, I would say almost weekly, somebody saying, hey, we would love to hear your story from the point of view of your wife, or we'd love to hear her story. When are you going to have your wife on? I've talked about her sometimes on my Latter-day Life, which she hates when I talk about her. My wife is one of the most private people I have ever met in my life. She's probably She's, loving that we're even talking about oh, this. Oh, she she has already <laughs> turned it off by now. If she listened in the first place, she has now turned it off. My wife and I are about to celebrate 25 years of marriage. I love my wife so much. And I will say that while she will never appear before this microphone, I mean, we're we have a great marriage. We have a celestial marriage. If I were to try to get her to be on here, and if I really pushed it hard enough, she would leave me before she came on. <laughs> Nothing is worth being in front of the microphone, which is, I think, part of what makes our marriage really work. She is a very quiet servant. She's very behind the scenes and does not like attention, doesn't like publicity at all. That being said, from the moment I said, I think we should do a podcast and I think we should I'm going to go this morning and spend three grand on a computer right now and go buy <laughs> microphones and start inviting random strangers into our home. Do you know she has never complained once in a hundred episodes, never been anything but supportive. But if you are holding your breath to hear my wife on the show, take a breath. It's just not happening. I love my wife. She is without her. I really couldn't do it. We've had guests record at five o'clock in the morning. We've had re guests record until 2 o'clock in the morning. We've had guests that we've canceled plans because it was the only time they could come. We've had Sunday evenings that we've wanted to do things maybe as a family that I've been scrambling to get the last little bit of recording done. I've recorded on vacations online, taken breaks, and she has never complained once. Amazing woman. Yeah, that's awesome. And she's, again, she probably tuned out well before... She got to hear all those nice compliments. <laughs> yeah, she's fast-forwarding 30 seconds at a time. <laughs> we have kind of one last question that we want to address. And I think this is going to be the way to get an insight into you. Um, aside from the fact that you're a Laker fan and some of these other things that people yeah. can pick up, there are guests that impact you as the host in, in different ways. And one that comes to mind that you've mentioned is Cindy and Greg Threadgold. Yeah, for sure. Why did they impact you so much? I, I'll tell you, it's funny. I, I could look through our list of guests and I can tell you why every one of them has influenced me greatly. Cindy Threadgold, Cindy and Greg lost their son while he was serving a mission. And Cindy came on and talked about that loss. She made it her goal to compile a list of all the missionaries who have been lost while serving. 
And I wasn't sure how that would go as an episode. Is there a whole episode around that and everything else? To hear her talk about losing a son while serving a mission and how faithful she was, I was just so moved by her. She is just an incredible person. And shortly thereafter, Greg reached out to me and said, I have quite a story too that involves shock treatment and depression and all kinds of things. And Cindy didn't go into that much about Greg as part of the story. And Greg mentioned it a couple times. I didn't want to put them right together. And finally I went, okay, Greg, let's see what this is all about. And then he came in. And suddenly the whole picture was painted. That's why it'd be good to have my wife on. (laughs) Suddenly this picture was painted of the two of them and what they had been through in their lives. And I don't know, Nick, that I'm still a faithful member if I'm Greg or Cindy. I, I look at Greg struggling with depression all those years and Cindy trying to keep their family together and they finally get some breakthroughs and they lose their son while he's serving a mission. And both of them are testifying of how amazing God is. I mean, come on. Uh, we all stay in touch on social media. I, I, I have the list here. I have the show open. I could tell you for 20 minutes why every one of these people is the greatest person I've ever met. I hope that if there's one thing I want the listeners to know, I mean that. Every one of these people, I mean it. Cindy and Greg, these are special, special people. And not what the show was designed for. If if they would have asked to be episode one, I would have said, you'll never be on the show. That's not what the show is. It's what the show has become. Yeah. The show has become, I used to think it had to be semi-famous or in the entertainment. No. People like to hear stories. People want to hear the lives that other people have gone through. And you grab little things. And some of my guests, everything's gone right in their life. And some, everything's gone wrong. (laughs) And some in between. And the one thing I love about the show is that if you have the conception that there is a stereotypical Latter-day Saint, just listen to a few episodes. There is no such thing. Yeah. It's in our minds. We're absolutely crazy. You know, we've had so many guests on who have done so many crazy things, you know. I mean, we've had, uh, you know... DJs and an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> and we've had people who've been through divorces and stand-up comics and newscasters and politicians and people who worked in the White House and who were at 9-11. And we've just had all these people with the most incredible life experiences. And people who come on who just talk about being broken and how the atonement comes back and puts their lives back together. It's just, it's awesome. And that's what the church is. The church is... The church is the house for all of us. Sean Rapier, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Are you really asking me what does yeah. being a member of the church mean to me? What is, yeah, everybody that comes yeah. on the show gets asked that as the final question. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, gosh, I didn't even think about that. You know, I don't think I've ever thought about that. You've asked it uh, 99 <laughs> times and you haven't come up with your own answer. Yeah, I'm not kidding, Nick. I've never thought about this. I've never thought what I answer. Um and I put people on the spot. They come up with answers quickly. Some of them knew it was coming. Yeah, some do. 
Yeah, we have we have some guests who are avid listeners. Um, my church is my tribe. Okay. This is my people. I think when people think of me, it's Sean, which is who I am, Rapier, which is my first kind of tribe or group, which is my family. <laughs> he is a Latter-day Saint. I wear it as a badge of honor. The church is my people. Part of what I love about the podcast is I stand up for my people. They believe the same things I believe. They go to the same places I go. They have some of the same struggles I have, but they know the joy that's to come. And I think that as the world changes more and more, the church becomes more important to me. It's a safe haven. It's a refuge. And it's my identity, Nick. I am a Latter-day Saint. I am literally, I say this is what's happening in my Latter-day life because I'm living a Latter-day life. It touches every part of what I do. There is no part of my identity that is not connected to being a member of the church. As I'm out in my labors, as I'm out in with my family, everything I do is affected by it. It's my tribe. I belong to it. I defend it. I stand up for it. I believe in it. And it's why I love this show. I get to showcase the incredible members that are my church. They're members of my church. I get to all these crazy, incredible, amazing people, these incredible people we just talked about. They're members of my church. Yeah, your tribe. They go to my tribe, my church. I get to be a part of that. I get to show it off. It's everything for me. Awesome. You got to lead us out. Well, that was really it. <laughs> you didn't die. Yeah, still uncomfortable. Still really uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, then I failed but, as an interviewer. But Nick, you made it easier. And I'm going to leave this in, so don't ask me to edit this out. <laughs> Nick, you have been a mentor through this whole process. I don't think our listeners can imagine, especially early on. Now I've gotten a little bit of my own wings a little bit. A <laughs> little bit. But when I run into issues on sound, when I run into issues on publishing questions when i'm not sure how to approach something nick is my number one sounding board so i want to thank you nick. Oh, you're welcome i need to thank kurt frankham who early on and continues yeah he texted me offering help with a problem i was having earlier today um you know i really appreciate him i appreciate we have a whole facebook podcasters uh, latter-day saint podcasters group uh, but I really appreciate the support. We have a great community, and there are great other podcasts out there, and I'm just grateful I get to be a part of one. Yeah. Well, thanks for including me. No, this was so fun. I'm glad you suggested it. Yeah. A little bit. I'm a little bit glad. But <laughs> I'll be you... glad after we hit stop. And, and... Yeah, I'll be very happy when we hit stop. <laughs> but we want to thank you all for listening. Uh, so until next week, when we have another amazing episode for you, remember, as always... Nick, are you doing it? You're the host. <laughs> oh, is it my job? Is it your show? Uh, it's a great, right. big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it. Just not of it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>